Welcome to this webinar. This is the Cambridge Marketing College's fortnightly webinar series. We're running a day early here in August due to annual leave. And yes, my annual leave. So uh, thank you very much for coming along uh, this lunchtime to this session. Um, this is account-based marketing, ABM. Now, you may well have heard the phrase, you may well be using this, and hopefully as we go through this session, you are going to get some insights into what is actually, in theory, a very, very simple concept, but that very, very quickly becomes super complicated. So hopefully what I'm going to do is demystify some of the challenges and hopefully open up some of the opportunities for you to just get better at your marketing using the concept of ABM. So I'm going to not use the uh, the phrase account-based marketing. It's a bit of a mouthful as we go through this. We're just going to focus on ABM from here onwards, but uh, I think you now know what that means. This is part of the fortnightly series of personal and professional development uh, here at the college. We run a whole series of um, webinars and sort of thought uh, masterclasses, however you want to phrase them. Um, every fortnight, there is a different topic. Some of the stuff is obviously directly focused towards marketing skills, techniques, and emerging technologies and ideas. And some of the stuff is about how you put your own sort of personal spin on it. So the personal development side of things in terms of negotiation, influence, and all those kinds of techniques to kind of put the theory into practice. But today, here, we are focusing on one of the theories, and this is a big business-to-business, B2B marketing theory, the idea of ABM. I'm going to define it. I'm going to talk to you about really what it can mean for you. And as I say, some of the opportunities for, you know, really, I guess, sort of you know, pulling back um, all of the, uh, the chaos and, um, you know, real complexities and challenges and really keeping it simple, because this is one of the really key things about ABM is that if you keep it simple, there are some huge, huge benefits to be had within this mix. So let's begin. So what actually is account based marketing ABM? So ABM, also known as key account marketing, is a strategic approach to business marketing based on account awareness in which an organization considers and communicates with individual prospects or customer accounts as markets of one. Right, that's a big, big long sentence there. So what are we actually saying here? Well, what we're doing is we are treating a customer and we're looking at a business customer here. So an organization, a company, a business could be a very, very large one. And we're treating that as a marketplace. So we're actually thinking about a customer or an account as a market sector, a marketplace in itself. In other words, we're considering that it's got kind of customers and sub-customers. We're thinking it's got probably other stakeholders, maybe other influencers within that business. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a model, a framework and an understanding of that business so that we can market to it as though it is a market sector. So that, in essence, is what ABM is. You know, it, it really doesn't get any more complex than that, but it does. It gets a lot more complex than that. So I'm kind of saying it in this kind of duality, because once you start thinking of it conceptually, that ABM is about treating an individual customer or market, um, sorry, or business as a, as a market, then you think, okay, I get that, it's simple. So I just apply all the marketing theories that I know to that customer. Yeah, job done. But then you stop and you think about it and you pause and you think, yeah, but hold on. What is the customer? Who is the customer? 
is there such a thing as a customer? Because you know, one person or individual within this account or this company could be the end user of the product or service that I'm looking to market to them or to sell to them. And that might be a very, very, and probably is a very, very different individual to a, a buyer who is actually going to do the admin and the paperwork and make the final decision. Or it could be different to the budget holder. That could be a different person. And of course, if you think about that, well, actually, then it starts getting more complicated because well, they're going to view who we are and what we do and the product or the service and the process in very different ways because they're coming from different perspectives. And that is ABM, the appreciation that the account or the company or the business that you're marketing to has many different versions or perceives many different versions of you your brand, your products, your services, and your marketing, and the sales approach that you have. And if you can get your head around that, of course, then the complexities all open up. And so then you're thinking, right, so we're not just talking about marketing in the singular. We're probably talking then, if we're treating this customer or this business as a market of one, we're probably looking at marketing's so an actual plural of marketing, because we're going to need to do different things for different people in that business. And there is the essence of ABM. So what I want to do in this session, and as always, if you have any questions, pop them into the chat because we can obviously answer uh, things or discuss things or we can explore things. If there's anything that either isn't making sense or that you disagree with the way I'm describing any of the things that we talk about, Use the chat facility to uh, to contact and connect. And hopefully at the end of this, I'll be able to uh, give a little bit of an insight. Or if I can't answer the question, we can catch up afterwards and uh, I can do a little bit more research and find out the answer for you. So there's a lot of opinions about the good, the bad, the difficult, the easy, the challenges, the opportunities of ABM. Um, I particularly like when I kind of do research into these sorts of topics, I particularly like looking to see what the vendors, so the organizations who actually provide software services or provide platforms or provide technologies into these kinds of spaces, what they think, because they generally have done a lot of research into this stuff. And um, Terminus, one organization who have done an awful lot of research into this to kind of position themselves in this marketplace, have a very, very clear set of kind of priorities, I guess, and, and sort of opinions here. Um, and one thing I noticed that they've been talking about is that the average B2B buying committee, as they call it, so business to business buying committee within an organization is made up generally of between seven and 20 individuals. So suddenly our account, if we call them that, or our marketplace of, of one company, is made up of between seven and 20 individuals on average. They've also reported that the sales cycle is growing longer as more and more decision makers, obviously this complexity of stakeholders, become involved, which is why single lead marketing, i.e. thinking I'm going to market to that company and I've got one version of this marketing, Terminus will say is not the most effective or fastest method to close a deal. And of course, therein lies the the big benefit or the big focus really of ABM is that this is all about closure. This is all about getting to a point of conversion. We're not just doing marketing, ABM style marketing to just make a noise, build a brand, just do stuff and just appear busy. 
We're doing this to support and work in collaboration with a sales team. So, so, so ABM really is an integration of sales activities and marketing activities. And of course, if you just view the fact that if we market to that business, one flavor of what we do, well, how can you market to a business? No business I've ever encountered in my 35 years in marketing has ever replied to me, ever. How can a business reply? It's not a thing. It might be a legal entity, but it's not a human being that can respond. So why, oh, why do a lot of B2B marketers send stuff to info at businessx.com and expect a reply? Why would that happen? How could that happen? It's an organization. And the organization is made up of individuals. And this is the essence of ABM, treating the key individuals in there as stakeholders who can help you in this conversion target that you have. In other words, encouraging certain individuals to do certain things as part of this buying decision-making process. And so ABM itself, and this is the reason why a lot of B2B business-to-business companies are turning to ABM, because it is about placing multiple relevant and appropriate marketing messages in front of multiple and relevant and appropriate decision makers and influencers and budget holders, maybe even gatekeepers that they value in terms of growing their business. Because it is about priorities, and I'll come on to priorities in a little while, because it isn't about just the scattergun approach of marketing that, oh, we've done some social media, so we're marketers. It's the opposite approach. Okay, this is all about diligence. It's all about laser-focused marketing approaches. It's all about targeting, and it's very, very heavily driven by data. And that'll be something else I want to talk to you about. Okay, so conceptually, it's quite simple. We're treating a business or a company as a marketplace in itself. And then we're figuring out who within inside these organizations can we actually market to and then beginning to think about creating individual stories and propositions for each individual. So that's kind of where we're headed with this. And again, there's a lot of opinion on the starting point. Because if you start purely with sales, for example, your sales team, your sales force or your sales person, if you're in a small organization, is probably targeted based on revenue. And so their kind of ethos will be, okay, let's focus on ABM in the most profitable or the most highly revenue generating clients or customer accounts that we've got, because revenue is everything. But global head of ABM campaigns at HP has been known to say measuring everything on revenue is, in their opinion, doing a disservice to marketing, but also to the organization. Because when the relationship with revenue is not clear, it starts cutting into your budget. And ultimately, in the long game, it's a lose-lose proposition. And in this quote gives us a bit of a clue as to one of the values of ABM, because it is both tactical in the short term, because if you get this right, you shrink down that sales cycle, you make more efficient marketing um, sort of investment, and then you get a quicker return. But at the same time, if you just think about what ABM does strategically, i.e. the longer term view, it gives you an opportunity to build a credible brand because you're personalizing and customizing the stories and propositions that you're putting out into this customer because it's appropriate and it's relevant for each individual. 
And what will that do? It will solidify, make more credible and actually build the, the, the credibility that you have with these individuals because they'll get it because there's something in it for them. Think about that versus this one generic vanilla flavored marketing approach, which kind of skims the surface, but doesn't really, because it's a compromise, it's a quick, easy win for you, but it's a compromise. It doesn't really hit the mark for anybody. So it's, it's just logical and it just says, well, obviously then this is a good way to do things. But as I said earlier, it comes at a bit of a, I wouldn't say price or a cost, it comes at a bit of a, a commitment, let's say because you are gonna to have to invest in this, okay? So when we start thinking about ABM, it might in your organization require a bit of a mindset shift. It might require you to start to replan the way that you go to market. But what it does is it begins to develop a narrative between sales and marketing. So your salespeople and your marketing people have a, um, a combined or a collaborative approach because they're aligned to hitting a specific goal together. And this is a you know one of the big sort of bugbears, I guess, of both sales and marketing over the years is like we've got a different role here. You know, we're set different targets. Okay, ultimately the end goal is we've got a lovely, happy business. But actually, en route, we'll do our thing, you do your thing, is often how sales and marketing people approach each other. Very few examples of organizations where sales and marketing is aligned. But think about ABM. You can't do really, really effective ABM without sales and marketing talking, without the timing of the approach to the customer being followed up appropriately by a salesperson. You just, by definition, can't do it alone. So one key benefit of ABM is that you tighten the alignment between sales and marketing. And, and let's be honest, if you're in marketing, to have sales aligned with you well, what's not to like, even if that was the benefit of doing ABM, and it isn't actually as far as you know, generating new revenue and getting more business, that in itself might be a great win. So for me, that's a key performance indicator. What is that sales and marketing relationship? ABM potentially allows you to be monitoring it, measuring it and improving it. ABM also allows you to make really efficient use of, use of budgets and resources. And it is this laser focus. It is this laser targeting of ABM because you're not just putting a big ad out there and social and hoping that people see it. And well, we're not really sure who saw it, but somebody saw it and we've got a few engagements, a few likes. Yay, we're marketers. That's not what this is about. This is about understanding who precisely at an individual human level are we targeting? A named individual that's got a title, you know, they've got a, a life outside of work. You know, who is this individual? This is laser efficiency. OK, because then you can focus your budgets and resources because it is down to the level of one. And this is pure, pure marketing. It potentially does also reduce the sales cycle because of this efficiency. You know you're talking to the right person because you've done your research. And I'll talk about this kind of preparing your ABM in just a short while. But sales cycles, which often in business to business environments and marketplaces can be many months, if not years in some markets, you can reduce these. So another KPI would be what is the length of the lead time between initial contact and the actual conversion of a sale? And if you don't know what that is right now, time to measure, because this could be a KPI that you can improve using the approach of ABM. 
It's also going to give you clarity over the decision-making process that your customers are going through. And I'm saying customers here because in this one business, this one account that you're targeting, they will have different perspectives over the decision-making process. And almost if it's a big, big ticket customer, they could have different processes going on even within the same organization. So this will give you clarity because to do ABM, you've got to be listening. You've got to be actively listening and watching those little subtle signs that give away clues as to actually what is going on in the decision-making process. Who's involved? At what point in the process? Who do they also listen to? Who is influencing them? You know, how much responsibility and control do they have over their decision? Are they, you know, serving somebody else's decision and they make it look like it's theirs, but it's not theirs? All those little nuances will come and become clear if you do pure ABM. And then ultimately, as you then turn your marketing and your sales approaches inwards towards them on their terms, see where we're going with this. This is very, very customer focused, then by definition, it will improve the customer experience. So not only then do you have this, you know, really, really sort of different flavored approach of marketing, which is complex, and it will take you time. But just think about the response you're then going to get back. Because Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. X, at the end of this message is going to then be thinking, hold on a minute, that was really personalized to me. What a helpful organization. Now I'm curious. Now I want to hook in and find out a little bit more. Oh, and there's a, an approach for a Zoom call. Or, oh, there's a phone call coming through. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you because you really help me. You get me. And so the improvement of customer experience to the point of a phrase I always like to use, which is immersive experience. Immersive experience comes through in ABM more than it does, from my experience, in any other form of marketing approach. The immersive experience, because you're doing it on the terms of this particular client or customer on their terms, from their perspective, really playing back the value that you're bringing in the world that they're seeing it in. This is where it really, really pays dividends. So you get benefit, but so do they. And so this is about sustainable marketing. So ABM is ultimately really sustainable, not in the carbon eco sustainability kind of use of the word, but sustainable in terms of business relationship. So ABM is going to serve one of your other KPIs, which is CLV, customer lifetime value. ABM is a really neat way, just as a concept, just as a way of approaching your marketing and sales to assure long-term and longevity in your customer lifetime value. And really, the ability to eliminate low value prospects and target specific decision makers means that you can just get super efficient. You can get really clear on your prioritizations. You, you get away from those who are taking up time in your diary. You get away from those who they, you know, they're not the low hanging fruit or they're not the strategic client or customer that you want for the future. They're just the ones that are making a noise and keep asking you for stuff, but it's not very profitable. It's not very useful. It doesn't build a relationship. Account-based marketing gives you the detail, the data, and the intelligence to focus using the 80-20 rule Pareto principle always works that you can figure out who are my top 20% customers. And again, I'm going to treat each one of those in the top 20% as an account, and we're going to do some ABM on each and every one of them, because those just by default will give us 80% of our revenues, of our long-term um, sort of business growth, and everything else that happens. So the 80-20 rule really comes into play here. 
So it's efficient, it's resource light once you actually plan this stuff out. It's really, really fascinating because you get this intimate knowledge of the customer, but it's also just a great way of doing effective business where there's a win-win for both sales and marketing. And it's just really, really commercially sensible to be doing stuff in this way. So let's begin to see the how you can do this, because hopefully by this point, I've kind of sold the benefits of the concept of ABM. And if you're sat there thinking, well, we don't really have customers like that. The concept of ABM might still, might still apply. And of course, if you think about, well, you know, we're in a consumer kind of marketing or consumer communications environment. So we don't really do B2B, business to business. The concepts of ABM can still apply. I mean, for example, if you're a retailer looking to sell or market to um, a family, for example, well, you could, if you wanted to, take the concepts of ABM and apply that to a family decision making unit. So, you know, taking a, a, a typical kind of um, sort of family where there are parents, there are children, there might be um, sort of grandparents, there could be, you know, sort of others who are sort of influential on the outside of that kind of core, if you like, they could be treated with the ABM approach, because they're all part of, they might be an ultimate decision maker, they might be an ultimate budget holder, but there's a, still a dynamic going on. So the concept can apply. So what we can look at is what we might term three levels or three types of ABM as described by Titan Growth. And you can sort of do a little search if you want to find out more on this one. But it's really interesting because the typical approach of what we might term programmatic ABM, which is the kind of whole idea of, you know, one message to many, um, allows us to kind of leverage our maybe our economies of scale or our critical mass as an organization. So, you know, we can just spend some money, get some budget out there, and we can just kind of see what happens by just doing good persona, customer persona marketing, and taking people on a journey through their, their customer experience from awareness through conversion to retention, hopefully, hopefully happy customers in the long term. That's not really what this is about, though. We might want to get a little bit deeper down into ABM. So what we could do then, rather than one to many, we could take the approach of maybe we call it ABM light, which is one to few. So we look at some of our what we might term second tier accounts or second tier customers. So not the ones that are our most highly prized and um, biggest, highest priority, but maybe some of the others, if you like. So the ones who, yeah, we communicate with quite a lot, but actually what we want to do is get a little bit closer to them. So we might decide for the ones that go into that pot, we're going to do an ABM light, which is that we're going to tailor some content to them because we know who they are. We might have some data and information in our customer relationship management, our CRM system. So we can kind of look in there and see if there are any little nuances and then put some marketing and campaigns, initiatives, projects and get sales to follow up, maybe with a phone call, probably not with a visit because the visit we're going to save for our strategic ABM. And these are the top tier. These are This is the 20%, the really high prioritized, the high kind of top tier customers that we have. Because for these guys, we are going to do this one-to-one -one approach. Okay, so the one-to-many can be for the also rounds and everyone else. The ABM light is our kind of second tier customers. And then the ones who we're going to do strategic, proper, real ABM with, these are the ones we're going to go down to the level of one-to-one. -one. And these are the ones that I'm going to talk about because they're really, really important in this whole process for the rest of this talk. 
Okay, so we're now going into this level of detail to really understand how we're going to do this stuff and how we're going to get this understanding and this knowledge to be able to serve these key accounts with ABM. But this is where it gets complicated. Okay, so ABM in lots of ways should be integrated with anything that you've got that holds customer data. So if you have some kind of CRM or you have a marketing or management knowledge system or you have some kind of data integration within your organization that holds and captures, manipulates and outputs customer intelligence or customer records, then you need to be using that at the very first point in this journey to understand what data have you got. And it's not so much about what data you've got, it's what data do I need to be able to serve unique, individualized, personalized and customized marketing and sales approaches to each of these targets, each of these humans within this particular business. And then repeat for business two and repeat for business three. And depending on how many businesses are in this top 20% of your priorities, this is where you need to start prioritizing. So it is about data, it's about understanding what do we already know about each account? And this isn't about those anecdotal, oh, well, all our customers do this, or all our customers last year said that. This is about really understanding what individuals have said, what actual named individuals, so human beings, these real customer personas have said or done or acted or bought and when they did it and why they did it and the feedback that they gave. All of these things will come to life from your CRM system and almost gives you a reason to have a CRM system. So at the heart of your ABM needs to be some form of data capture and some form of way that you can actually then constantly and continuously update that data as you learn more and more as each time you send something out to a named individual in a particular customer and then get some feedback or not. And if you don't get feedback, that's also a learning. So this is a continuous and iterative process where you're building the quality of your data as you go. So in many ways, IBM, ABM is all about the preparation work. Before you can even start thinking about launching, building your campaigns, you need to solidify one single point of view on how to do ABM and how to measure your success. That's a quote from strategicabm.com, you know, masters in the art of focus, diligence, intelligence and manipulation of data, because we need to be prioritizing here. So what I would recommend at this step in the process, now you understand that we're going to be focusing on one company, one organization, is to understand who is in this organization. Do the deep research. Find out what data you've already got about this organization. Who are the named individuals? What are their relationships with the others? Who are the influencers? Who are the stakeholders? Start to build this kind of framework of who's in there. Why are they in there? What are they doing? What part do they play in the decision-making process? And see if you can identify, based around some key criteria, see if you can identify who these individuals are. Now, if you already know this stuff, you can fast track through this part of the process, but I'm assuming that ABN might be quite new to you. So look for the champion. This particular person, the champion in this client, is going to be the driver of the project, or it's the person who came up with the tender opportunity or has identified that they need to buy something. And it just happens to be something that you have. Then think about the influencer or influencers. Can you find them? 
who are those influencers in this whole process? Now, it could, if it's a uh, like an IT service or whatever, it could be awesome software that the champion has decided we need this in our business to do X, Y, or Z. Then probably a key influencer will be the IT team or person in the IT team, IT director, IT manager. But there could be others. There could be other influencers who will likely skew the conversation. They could be big um, sponsors and supporters, but they could also be dissenters. Either way, they are stakeholders. Okay, so what we're doing here is we're identifying who these stakeholders are. Now, they're almost certainly, if you're looking at a larger organization beyond the SME space, you're looking at who is the buyer, because there will be somebody here who is going to control the process, take over from the champion, and will actually drive the process through. Now, they may have the budget sign off, but that also could be somebody else. See what I mean when I say about it, it's getting complicated. But there also could be um, other individuals in here beyond the influence, like the ratifiers. There could be tech decision makers who are interested in the security, the compliance or the legal um, sort of things that need to go into this purchase decision. The more you go into this, the deeper you get, but the more influential you get. Because if you can understand who's doing what, saying what, being what, and their role in the process of commissioning or buying or um, sort of servicing a particular product or service like you have to offer, the more you can get this kind of, um, and I would call it professional intimacy with this organization, the better, because they'll know you're serious. You will then be able to talk the right things, both from a marketing and from a sales perspective. But really importantly, what you'll have done is you'll be able to almost create a decision tree or a decision map or a hierarchy, however complex it is and however much detail you want to go into. You'll know named individuals who at a certain point in the process come into play to help you to get your message in, to help you get those meetings, to help you get on the table, to help you get onto the tender list, to even get to the starting gate. Because organizations who are serious about their buying are not even going to consider you if you don't take this stuff seriously. So it's almost like in some smaller organizations, you can get away with just doing the more generic marketing. But if you want to go to the bigger ticket organizations and you really want to play the game, you need to be this professionally intimate. So by plotting out the flow chart or the structure or the diagram that explains not only to yourself, but also to others in your team who are going to serve this particular client, who says what and when they say it and who needs what and when they need it, then you're all talking from the same hymn sheet. So again, when we talk about sales and marketing collaboration, this is where this stuff kicks in, because then you're all working from the same blueprint. So it's really important to remember that's a key thing. Then what you can do is you can start to think about, well, OK, if we've got this data, so we're storing it at the very basic level, we've got it in a spreadsheet, maybe on teams that we can all um, add to. But at a much higher level, we've got a proper CRM system. Then we can start to begin to use that and that data and that kind of continuous feed of improvements to begin to map out and shape out both from a technical and a strategic level what we want to do and where we want to take this. So a step-by-step -step process of planning, mapping out where we're looking to take this, actually auditing what we've done before so that we can kind of figure out what might work next, identifying the specific personas who we're going to target and when, so creating a timeline and a time map, 
developing a sales activity to support the marketing activity that supports the sales approach. So there's almost like a little circular loop that goes on there. So that when the content goes out, when the salesperson follows up and nurtures that relationship, when they provide that added value information specifically and personally and customized to that individual, then you know that the feedback you get is as good as you could have done it, but it feeds back then into the CRM. So it's continuously improving so that when you then go to customer B or customer C and further down the list, you've then got a framework that you can use. Everybody's consistent with the framework. You know the process that you are going to be following. And so you can then replicate. So another lovely benefit of ABM is if you can get it right and you never get it fully right, but if you can get it better than you've got it right now, you are on this replication or scalability journey, which opens up another host of opportunities for the future. So an account-led approach fueled by insights, data, and a deep understanding of that account is the thing that is going to allow you to engage in the correct way and how to activate an account with personalized, relevant messaging and marketing. Another quote, strategicabm.com. And it is this personalized, relevant messaging. If a particular title or a particular individual in a particular organization wants it a certain way, and you know that they want it in that certain way, and you deliver it in that certain way, in the next company, that same job title might want it in a different way. And you can leave your competitors to give that generic approach. Oh, to all the buyers, we always send our brochure. There it is. Aren't we clever? You can leave that to the competitors because what you do is you understand buyer in company A, they get what they want. Buyer in company B is different. They're a different human being, so they get what they want. So your competitors are doing this generic one flavor approach to their marketing and sales, and you are going down to a human level, one-to-one, peer-to-peer. And that's, again, another key approach that is very different to this kind of one-size-fits-all that most marketers feel they are sort of almost forced into doing. So what is this actually now producing? What is this actually getting us to? Well, it is ultimately getting us to the ultimate buyer's journey at the same time as the ultimate customer's journey. Because if we're doing the right things at the right time, if we are sending things out at the prospecting stage, if we're doing it at the opportunity stage, if we're doing it at the relationship development stage, and then the adoption stage, once they've actually taken the product or service, and then we're cross-selling and upselling, and then we're starting to you know, nurture the relationship because we know this individual and what they want and when they want it because we've built this relationship. Then what we're doing in lots of ways is we are providing this kind of always on, this always available, this always on my radar approach to our marketing our sales, and also just our commercial availability for the customer. And where does that lead us? Where would that kind of lead us in the future? Well, I mean, the phrase that I often hear when I, I see organizations who do this really well is into this world of trusted advisor. Now, what is not to like? If you're a salesperson and you're not perceived as, oh, there's that salesperson from company X, here they are again trying to sell me something, but you're perceived because of ABM and all that nurturing at each little step in this journey, you're perceived as a trusted advisor. You are instantly on that tender list. You are instantly the first person they call because 
you're a trusted advisor. So you've almost reinvented yourself. And again, if you think about yourself as a marketer to that same individual, what are you doing? Well, you're not just sending them, hey, we've got a new product or service, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, would you like to buy this? It's very much about building the, hey, we want to listen to you. What are, what are your challenges right now? Is there anything we can do to kind of, you know, help you? And well, actually, no, we don't do that. But we do know somebody who does, because in our value chain, we've got this company over here who we've been working with for some time. Let me introduce you to. So again, another spin-off benefit of this ABM philosophy, if you like, if you use the framework of taking the customer, each individual human in your accounts, each individual account differently through this buyer's journey, then the customer journey, what you're doing is you're creating an environment in which you are always the first person they think of. You've got this longevity of relationship that you can nurture. And it isn't about the messages that you want to put out there. It's what they want to hear. It's what they need. So you're always providing value because you're always listening and you're always providing something on their terms. But it still commercially makes you very, very valuable, too. So this is really a win-win scenario. The beauty of ABM is that we're always ultimately looking for a win-win scenario. Once you get into this and you can kind of create this model, this framework, and think of ABM as literally picking off these individuals, giving them a personalized, customized experience within one company, and then replicating over your top 20% of other companies in your CRM, what you're really doing is building this infrastructure, if you like, of trusted peers, because you're not then perceived as the company who markets or sells to or sells to me. You're a trusted peer. And then what you'll find is there will be collaboration. They may well come to you at some point in the not too distant future and say, look, we've got this idea. Could you could you come in or could we have this conversation with you? Because we'd like to explore if, if this was you, what would you suggest? And you get the opportunity to build the brief for a particular project or campaign or initiative that they're doing. I mean, that's a trusted advisor position. That's not a sales or marketing person. That's a trusted advisor. And so then you can bring in your technical expertise to sit alongside you and guide and you almost become a consultant with them. So collaboration is a really, really key performance indicator to be watching out for. And it happens faster than you think if you get this right. And I've seen it, you know, in, in the way that I've approached some of my customers over the years. The fastest way of getting to that kind of level of professional intimacy is to be in that position. And then it's amazing you get. And I remember the first time this happened for me, get the opportunity to create the brief for the project. And of course, they know, and you know, that you're going to write it in such a way that it kind of allows you to then pitch for it too. And of course, the unwritten rule there is that that's actually what they were saying. And that's kind of between the lines what they were wanting you to do because you're the trusted advisor. And there are many, 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 many more benefits that I'm sure you can kind of figure out um, for yourself. But for me, those are the key sort of reasons why creating this sort of framework is so, so important to do. But it does take time. It does take a commitment from not just you listening to this or watching this right now, but actually getting other people on board. So maybe if you have a sales and marketing meeting or just a sales meeting, if you're in sales or a marketing meeting, if you're in marketing, broach the subject, raise the concept, introduce a few ideas and say, look, guys, if we were to do this, 
was listening to this uh, this little talk um, a little while ago, and some of the ideas that came through might might resonate with us, and and just kind of test the water. And if you want to find out more or you want some visuals to back up this because somebody then says, oh, could you produce a little presentation on this? Because this does sound like really interesting stuff. Then go to some of the top platforms. Um, I was looking through to see if I could find a really unbiased list of the top 10 ABM platforms. I don't think there's any such thing as an unbiased list. So I thought, well, let's go for one of the big guys and see what they see. So I went for the HubSpot list. And of course, HubSpot, as you'd expect, put HubSpot at the top. So there's your, probably your first starting point. But there are many, many others. And I'm not incentivized to tell you this list. But the list will include people like, obviously, HubSpot, but Terminus, Demandbase, Rollworks, Triblio. You know, there are many, many others. And you can do the research to find them. But use these guys to really take your thinking. I'm just talking here because of time, just a really high level kind of um, sort of low complexity, but just introducing you to some of the concepts of ABM. But if this stuff resonates and you think, hmm, this level of personalization and intimacy and understanding of our customers, there's something in this for us, then go look at these guys and actually get it literally from the horse's mouth because these guys have got great introductory videos. They've got really good tutorials as to you know taking things to the next level. And because they're platforms, they could be a, a platform or a core or a hub that you use to kind of begin to set this thing up. And a lot of these are... Um, they're kind of able to take in feeds from your existing customer relationship management system, which is obviously really important as well. So explore, have a little play, see what you think, but know that if you keep it simple, the concept of ABM is really not that complex. But of course, as with all of these things, if you look at the wider market map and once you start reading and you start doing searches on this stuff, very quickly it starts to look super complex. Um, this is one ABM market map that um, I found, which um, breaks down, you know, the four kind of concepts, if you like, of ABM, which is all about data and insights interactions and how you can manage those, measurement and sort of the orchestration of, you know, engagement. So, you know, these are the kind of four sort of steps that you might want to take. And there are many, many providers and platforms and software service um, tools within uh, the marketplace here. ABM is a big, big, very, very well-established marketplace. So have a little play, see what you think. But I would suggest at this stage, keeping it, if this is new to you, keeping it conceptually very simple. Because even if you decide I'm not going to go fully down the whole route of, you know, getting a whole ABM strategy in there, but I'm actually going to just use the concepts and the principles of ABM to just become a little bit more specific and personalized with the client connections or customer connections that I have then really as a marketer, you, if you back it up with data and evidence, will have made some significant steps forward in the activities that you do for both business development, but also for integrating your marketing and your sales together. Because to me, those are really the key things. So getting buy-in across the organization and setting some, some realistic goals. I mean, some of the stuff I've talked about here, you know, is going to take you some time to do. So getting a bit of buy-in, getting a bit of support, getting the conversation started, and then setting some reasonable goals. I talked at the start here about just setting some KPIs, some key performance indicators. What would a measure be that would show that we've made a little bit of progress if we just took on the whole 
ABM sort of style of marketing and just really got a little bit more intimate with our customers. We listened more. We responded to them in a bit more of a personalized way. And we worked more closely with sales to support them in their day-to-day activities. Well, maybe that's enough for now. Maybe it isn't about the technology and it isn't about, you know, the 80-20 prioritization of finding your top customers and then doing a full ABM strategy for each. That could be the thing. So maybe identifying one high priority target account and just having a play. Who do you know in there? Who could you find out about? And maybe just exploring and seeing whether that does resonate and work, whether it is a practical thing to do. Think about, obviously, the two key things. Who are the profile decision makers? Who are the influencers? There are others. You know, there are obviously others as part of the decision making process. But who are the key decision makers? And maybe listening and really paying attention to them and understanding who they're influenced by at this stage could be enough. If you decide to then take that on to the next level, maybe then start to really create some proper personas and some proper journeys, map it out. You will know if you've listened to any of my stuff before, you'll know that I am absolutely obsessed with creating customer personas, you know, real human versions, not just the demographics and, you know, research profiles that you see in all the research papers, but real people actually treat them as real people because they are, they've got blended lifestyles now. A lot of them are going to be working hybrid. So they'll be at home whilst they're on the Zoom call with you. You know, this is a complex world now. So understand them as personas as real individuals and map out their journey. When are they influenced as an individual by certain other individuals and what projects have they got on and why? Who else do they need in their little ecosystem? Figuring it out by listening, asking questions, and then you choosing the proper channels and tools to get to them and then drip feed this content, this thought leadership, this trusted advisor strategy that you have the potential for doing. And do you notice we've not even talked about your products and services? Interesting that, isn't it? That's not what ABM is about. It isn't about, you know, planning and executing campaigns that are all about, hey, we've got this lovely new service. Do you want to buy? That's at the end of the process. It almost doesn't matter what you want to sell, because if you can get the level of professional intimacy that I'm talking about, you should, in theory, be able to sell anything. Really, genuinely, you should be able to sell anything. And again, that could be a KPI. Did we get a conversation that was over and beyond what we would normally be perceived as doing? Because ABM opens up that opportunity for you. And of course, ultimately, measuring, analyzing and optimizing. I've said this about three or four times as we've gone through this. One of the key things here is to be constantly and forensically watching what happens. So as you have that conversation, or as you know, Bob in the sales team or Jane on customer service grabs, you know, these particular little sort of nuggets of information, feeding that back into your ABM strategy, putting that data and intelligence back into the CRM is critical. So this is a continuous learning exercise you know you can't expect to do this once so that's why i said right at the start is like you've got to get some buy-in here so start simple keep it really really top line just work with the principles of abm that we've talked about in terms of that intimacy and personalization and see by listening and watching and analyzing and optimizing and turning the information that you gain into the intelligence that supports great decision making and that would be a way definitely that you could actually enhance your marketing and your customer experiences going forward.